Right after I turned 15, my dad found me my first set of wheels. One Sunday afternoon, I was at the church warming up my rich tenor voice, which was more soprano than tenor in those days, for youth choir and dad called. So I went to the office to get on the phone. This was the dark day before cell phones. And dad told me he found a car for me. I was a lot thrilled, a little curious. Okay, well, all right, tell me about it, Dad. What's it like? Well, it's blue. Yes. It's a Ford. Yes. Mustang? Escort. Okay, 1986. Okay, so it's about eight, nine years old. It's a station wagon. Oh, Dad, you're killing me here. I can't be cool in a station wagon. How much does it cost? 600 bucks. And so that was my car. And all that year, I puttered around in my 86 Escort wagon. It was my grocery go-getter. Burned one quart of oil a week on a good week, and the driver's side door could only be opened by pulling on the handle a special way. We called that car Puddles. But then I had a birthday, and I was a man now. I was already 17 years old, almost to retirement, so it was time to upgrade. My dad knew how much I wanted a truck, so he cleared his calendar and drove me to the biggest dealership in Columbus. This dealership wasn't a car lot. It was a lot of car lots. There was a lot for new cars, a lot for used cars, a lot for new pickups, a lot for used pickups. We walked around that afternoon around a lot of lots trying to decide what truck, what package, what color. And then we found it. It was away from all the others as if the Lord had set it apart, sanctified it from all the others just for me to find. And the salesman saw my saucer-sized eyes, and I saw his hubcap-sized eyes, but it was too late. I was hooked. It was a 96 Ranger XLT loaded in 96. It only had 12,000 miles, power everything, cruise tilt, even a cassette player. And just for fun, there was a toolbox in the bed. All the other trucks were base models. No toolbox, no cassette, no cruise. Bring your own brake pedal. But this truck was new. Dad and I followed Greedy Greederton into the interrogation room. We filled out all the paperwork. And that night, I drove my new truck off the lot. And the next morning, I drove it slowly and proudly into my school parking lot. I got out of it as slow as I could, whistled a little louder than usual so everybody would look my way. I walked a little taller. It was 10 years newer and 10 times nicer than Puddles. I was so proud of that truck, so glad for that truck. Until. Until what? You probably already know, but I'll tell you for sure right after this. Until I got the payment book in the mail. They called it a coupon book. It wasn't a coupon book. It wasn't filled with 50 cents off Chips Ahoy. These were coupons that reminded me my truck was not my truck. It was theirs, and if I wanted to keep driving their truck, I would faithfully send them two forty-one eighty-eight every month for 60 months, and if I didn't, they knew a guy. So after school, I drove to work for my dad's electrical business. I needed to work four to five hours that night and every night. Not to save for college or stash away savings, but just to make the payment on my truck. It didn't matter if that truck made waffles. I made a huge mistake. I couldn't go to youth prayer that night or the youth rally the next night because I had to work to pay for the truck. It looked better, it drove better than puddles, but it cost much more in every way. And when I got home from work, I still had to finish up my Algebra 2 and English homework. 
Why did I do that? Why did my dad let me do that? My dad let me do that because I insisted he let me do that. My dad was a lot like Junior's dad. My dad knew it was a bad idea. He knew it would cost me more than I wanted to pay, but I told him it's what I wanted, and I could handle it. So did Junior. We met him the last few weeks in Luke 15. He's the one who told his dad, Dad, I want all my money, and I want it now. His dad knew if his young son got his hands on all that money that young, his life was heading head-on into heartbreak. He knew he would outlive the money that should outlive him, but he allowed him to have it even though he didn't approve of it. Sometimes God does that. Sometimes God allows things he doesn't always approve of because we insist on it. We need to make sure when we're praying, we're praying according to God's will, not ours. And it's very simple to know the will of God. If it draws you closer to God, it's the will of God. If it pushes you farther, it's not. You might pray for the promotion that just opened up or the new house that just opened up, but if it means you've got to put in another 20 hours every week and miss two services every week and say good morning and good night to your kids through their closed doors while they sleep, God may allow it, but it doesn't mean he approves it. I want to jump up and down in Luke 15 and wave my hands toward this good, good father and tell him, hey, don't do it. He's too young. He's too immature. You need to make him wait a few years. Yeah, he'll be mad, but he'll get over it. You may not get a Father's Day card this year, but you probably will next year. Just let him grow up. Let him wise up. He's going to waste everything you're going to give him and collapse penniless into a pig pen begging for corn husks. But to teach us this principle or to teach his son a lesson or both, the good, good father allowed him to have everything he asked for, but he also allowed him to pay for it. I would much rather God say no and stay close to him than for him to say yes and end up far from him. The father knew he knew life would leave his son more broken than it found him. And one day he knew his son would come home. So he watched and he waited. He saw someone coming down the drive. Hey, who's that? Sir, don't get your hopes up. He's just a merchant. Probably the Amazon driver from 2,000 years in the future. And then one day, He saw him. He didn't have to ask anybody. He recognized that walk. It was different than when he left, but he knew his son's stance. This young guy was shuffling his feet, his face to the ground, as tears flooded down his filthy face. His dad broke into a sprint, something dignified dads did not do in the ancient Near East. But he ran and reached his son, threw his arms around him and hugged him and held him. The good, good father's clothes were clean, sparkling clean. His son's clothes were filthy. But the father wasn't afraid of his filth because he had a robe and some water that would make his son clean again. That's the kind of father, that's the kind of good, good father who ran to the prodigal and who runs to us when we repent. I'm so glad our good, good father is not afraid of our filth. If you've run out on God and you ran to this world, it's time for you to come back home. God's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of where you've been. He's not afraid of your filth because he's still got a robe and he's still got some water that will make you clean again. And all you have to do is come home. That's a message of good news for somebody. Either you're listening 
or you're about to send it to somebody who's listening. I want to pray right now for everyone listening to this who needs to come home. I want to pray that God would draw you back home, draw you back to him, draw you back into right relationship with him. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your mercy. You are our good, good father. You are wonderful. You are merciful. You are gracious. You are kind. God, I thank you. Even though you do allow things you don't approve of, I thank you for still loving us even though we walk out on you. You've never walked out on us, never been faithless to us. I pray today for everyone who needs to come home. Jesus, please draw them home. I pray help us as the church, help us as the older brother to be just as excited to see them come home as you are. I ask you, Lord God, for a great revival among those who have gone away, walked away, ran away. I pray, Jesus, you would bring them home, work miracles, work wonders. I pray, God, do for all of us what we cannot do for ourselves. I pray, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the podcast, I want to say welcome to Simplify. I'm so glad you're here. Be sure to click subscribe so you can know every time a new episode drops. If you have not yet heard the previous, I believe it's three episodes to this one, go back and listen to the episodes that precede this one. The very first one from this series from Luke 15 is called One More is Too Many, Then Sheep and Sons, The Older Brother, and Now Good, Good Father. Listen to those and learn what God would have us to know from that passage there in Luke 15. Thank you for tuning in to Simplify. If you would like to get a copy of a couple of books I've written, the first one is called Simplify. It is a devotional that is what really launched this podcast three years ago. You can pick it up at PentecostalPublishing.com, or you can pick it up at Amazon. It's available on Kindle. Or my newest book is called Ten Words, A Practical Look at the Ten Commandments. It takes a look at each one of them and sees what it meant for them, what it means for us. And also, you can pick those up at PentecostalPublishing.com and Amazon. Or if you live in this very charming colonial Mount Vernon, Ohio area, you can pick either one of those books up at Paragraphs Bookstore at the corner of South Main and Ohio. Very soon, for those of you who spend a lot of time in the car or just prefer earbuds as opposed to a book in your hand, you can listen to 10 words on Audible. And I'll let you know as soon as that's available, you'll be able to listen to that there. Next week, I want to share with you a story called This Is My Story. And it's all about a guy by the name of Enoch. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.